0: Welcome to the Life Academy podcast. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Doug Pratt speaking to you for the Life Academy from First Church. On a Christian perspective, is America doomed? The gloom business is booming. Americans across the political and ideological spectrum are rushing to offer their negative forecasts about our future. News media, the commentariat of self-proclaimed experts, bureaucrats, and academics have all discovered that pessimism pays. People are more likely to lend their eyeballs or their ears to projections of imminent disaster than to more nuanced suggestions that somehow a country or a corporation or an individual or the entire human population will somehow manage to muddle along with less dramatic ups and downs. On the right, an example of a doom purveyor is longtime political columnist, Cal Thomas. A couple years ago, he published a book entitled America's Expiration Date. He forecasts that America will crumble and our democracy fail, he says. That, again quoting, our expiration date is sooner than we think. He claims to have discovered a... again, proven 250-year pattern of the rise and fall of superpowers. I'm usually a fan of Cal Thomas. He has shown over decades an ability to grasp the current events in Washington with clarity, but I'm not confident that he is an infallible prophet of the future. And then on the left, we encounter an equal, if not greater, litany of predicted disasters. Al Gore and his partner. Ideological filmmaker Michael Moore proclaimed two decades ago their inconvenient truth about imminent global disaster. According to them, Benita Springs and Naples should be deep underwater by now. I will attempt to strike a balance to provide some realistic and candid perspective about the future of the nation we love and pray for. In response to the question, Is America Doomed?, I reply in a simple word, no. What I mean is that nothing in our future of the next several decades is guaranteed and certain. There is no inevitability. There is no proven pattern in history that would allow us to confidently count down the days until a great nation or empire collapses. History is not that simple, and tomorrow will never be completely knowable. But we won't stop our discussion with a simple one-word answer because the question of America's near-term and midterm future is complex and worthy of our careful analysis. There is no question that our nation has undergone significant change in my personal lifespan of seven decades, and many who are listening to these words have witnessed the same substantial changes. Although change is a universal an unavoidable reality of life on Earth, there are periods when changes occur gradually, altering the human landscape over a long time, like soil erosion gradually changing contours of the natural world. But sometimes, the pace of change picks up, and alterations seem to come with stunning speed, like an earthquake that shifts fault lines in an instant. From a political, cultural, technological, economic, and global perspective, it feels as if we're living through a series of earthquakes and aftershocks, rather than a time of gradual erosion. The map of the globe has been altered in our lifetime, with countries and borders shifting. Our daily lives are dramatically different with new technologies we could not imagine decades ago that are now essential to us. Businesses and industries collapse and others are born. Our nation's enemies keep shifting from Germany and Japan to the Soviet Union to Islamic terrorism to communist China and a resurgent Russia. Our politics are in flux, pinballing from one party's dominance to the other. And our publicly accepted morality and values have been relentlessly transformed by self proclaimed progressives who challenge the spiritual and ethical core of what made America great. In part two of this podcast, we will ponder together how to make sense of these changes how to diagnose the condition of the soul of America and how we can personally deal with the years we each have remaining while living atop a spiritual, moral, and cultural fault line. But first, we will consider our nation's position in the modern 21st century world, and we will do so by noticing the complexity and unpredictability woven into world history. Hindsight can delude us into thinking that the important events of the past were all predictable, inevitable, and should have been interpreted as such by people as they lived through them. But the reality is exactly the opposite. There is no certainty, no inevitability, other than the final one, which is that ultimately, in his time and way, God wins. We know this with confidence because God's word tells us but it deliberately leaves the timeline and the details vague and symbolic so that we will not know for sure what the future course of events will be. Recall how many people have blundered by setting their own confident timetable for the end of the world only to look foolish when the end didn't come on their schedule. Some observers, with a superficial understanding of the sequence of events in the past, will confidently tell us that the collapse of the Roman Empire, or the Chinese Empire, or the Spanish Empire, or the British Empire, was inevitable and unavoidable. But actually, the similarities between those developments are superseded by their dissimilarities. Unpredictable events, the free will choices of individuals and groups, and long-term trends and patterns all had a part in what ultimately happened. At any point, things might have gone differently than they did, and those who lived through earthquake-like changes were not able to see with complete clarity, let alone clairvoyance and prophetic confidence, what was happening and what would happen next. Come along with me on a brief trip back in recent time to see how complex and unpredictable the great events of the world have been. In the lifetime of many of us, the most important earthquake that altered our world was the sudden collapse of the Soviet Union and its empire within a few eventful years of 1989 to 1991. No experts, no American and British leaders, no Sovietologists or journalists or CIA analysts predicted or foresaw such a sequence of events. In the arrogance of hindsight, some now proclaim that the end of the Cold War was inevitable. In fact, it was anything but. No one person or single reason can explain it. There were perhaps nearly a dozen factors, each of which proved to be crucial in leading to the final outcome, but that could have been different. Factor one, the most critical Mikhail Gorbachev, elevated to power after the unexpected deaths of two aging leaders, he came to power with an idealism about reforming communism, but lacked the skills to understand and carry out what needed to be done. Gorbachev proved to be the ultimate sorcerer's apprentice, unleashing forces that he could not control. Factor two, the resolution of the Americans in their policy of containment Especially Ronald Reagan, and to a lesser extent, his successor George Bush. Factor three, the determination of Pope John Paul II and other Roman Catholic leaders who kept the Christian faith alive in Eastern Europe, especially Poland. Factor four, the built in flaws of the top down control economy the Soviets had erected. Factor five, new technologies of television and air travel that exposed Soviet citizens to the affluence and freedom of the West. Factor six, the rise of gifted and determined Russian dissidents like the Nobel Prize winning scientist Andrei Sakharov and the politician Boris Yeltsin. Factor seven, the nuclear disaster at Chernobyl. Factor eight, The escalating costs of military technology to try to keep up with the American Star Wars missile system. Factor nine, the blunders of the East Germans in accidentally opening up the Berlin Wall. Factor 10, the nationalist movements in the Baltic states, Ukraine, the Caucasus, and the Central Asian provinces. Factor 11, the Soviet defeat and withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I could go on. If any of these had been different, the final outcome of the dissolution of the Soviet Union in 1991 might not have happened or might have happened in a different time and manner. So much for inevitability. Let's go back further in time to the Second World War. Modern historians confidently proclaim that the defeat of the Third Reich was inevitable because of America's greater population and industrial capacity. But Hitler's demise was not certain. It was partially a result of the determination of Winston Churchill, whose iron will kept Britain from capitulating the way France did, and Franklin Roosevelt who, while not a perfect leader, provided the stability for America to marshal its resources while Britain hung on by its proverbial fingernails during the war's bleak early years. And certainly, the vast arsenal of democracy that our country became by 1944 was a factor, helped immeasurably by the emergence of a brilliant industrialist named William Knudsen, who worked near miracles in transforming factories to war production. But World War II was also won by the Allies because of fatal blunders by Adolf Hitler. Had he not rashly decided to try to conquer the Soviet Union in 1941, he could have maintained for many years near total control of continental Europe and likely North Africa and the Middle East, making the Mediterranean a Nazi lake. Even after that strategic error, Hitler continued to meddle disastrously in his military's decisions for several years. Beyond that, it was entirely possible that German scientists could have developed the atomic bomb first and used it to destroy Britain and hold the rest of the world hostage. There was nothing inevitable about the defeat of the Third Reich and those who lived through that war knew it. Let's go further back in time to over a century and a half ago, the victory of the federal forces of the North over the Confederate rebels of the South in the American Civil War was not guaranteed. Certainly, the northern states had more population and more factories, which gave them an advantage in a long struggle. But for the first two years of the war, due to better leadership, the rebel army was dominant. Had it not been for the determination of Abraham Lincoln and the eventual emergence of Generals Grant and Sherman, the South could have fought the North to a draw and negotiated their independence and the preservation of their oppressive system of slavery. Had Britain or France joined the war to bolster the rebels, the outcome might have been different. Had Sherman not captured Atlanta in 1864, Lincoln might have lost re-election and McClellan would have negotiated a peace. And, of course, had Lincoln not been assassinated just after Appomattox, the course of Reconstruction might have gone much smoother, and the miserable course of American racism might have ended a century sooner. These three fairly recent examples should prove to us that the world is not predictable and that we cannot possibly know what tomorrow will bring. This is certainly true for our own lives, who can know when injury or illness might strike, when an unforeseen accident might occur. And it's also true for our nation. Would all the scientists and journalists and politicians who predicted two years ago that a novel coronavirus would soon dramatically alter the lives of everyone on the planet, please raise their hands. Our trust in the self-anointed experts should by now have been permanently shaken. Journalists, for example, who are feeding our 24-7 news cycle constantly with the details of what happens, along with their commentaries on it, are notoriously unable to see the big trends. They fall victim to the proverb about being too close to the individual trees to see the forest. Just one example from a few decades ago will illustrate. When the new Soviet leader, Gorbachev, asked to meet President Reagan in Reykjavik, Iceland, in October 1986, the three-day summit ended without an agreement. The American and world press uniformly and unanimously declared that Reagan was the loser and Gorbachev the winner. The criticism of our president was relentless, but he said little. It was only after the unfolding of events in the subsequent five years that it became clear what Reagan was doing and how successful he was at that meeting, keeping up the relentless pressure on the Soviets, which ultimately was a factor in the collapse of their economy. The lesson we should learn. We should be highly skeptical of confident pronouncements by journalists and politicians. They don't know any more than we do— what the future will bring. So let me, with humility and a recognition that my view is as limited as anyone else's, offer my own observations of where our country is right now at the dawn of the year 2022. I believe our current leadership is historically weak and incompetent, comparable in many ways to the Carter administration, which struggled and floundered, attempting unsuccessfully to deal with both economic and international problems. The administration's leadership, whether it is actually the president calling the shots or his aides, is unclear, is being driven by a far-left ideology and has already fallen repeatedly into the critical error of overreach." The movement of radical Islamic Jihad across the world has been at least temporarily weakened. No one knows if the radicals will be able, perhaps through shelter provided in the new Taliban-run Afghanistan, to reemerge as a global terrorist threat. China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea, who are our most intractable and dangerous foes, those four countries, are all emboldened by the weak leadership of Washington. The entire continent of Europe, which had glorious visions of becoming the United States of Europe and exercising a dominant role in the world, is led by weak bureaucrats. And Europe lacks internal consensus and unity and seems to be unable to be a significant global factor. Its citizens are financially prosperous by and large, but are poor in self-initiative due to their welfare state security, and European countries are notably ineffective in assimilating their immigrant populations. The great enemies of America, again, China, Russia, Iran, and North Korea, all have profound internal problems and weaknesses. Their economies are all suffering in critical ways that America's is not, and their populations by and large are aging, and their citizens are not free, and their elections are shams, and their press is government-controlled. There are inherent weaknesses in all totalitarian dictatorships that are ruled by power-hungry strongmen, such as Xi, Putin, the Ayatollah, and Kim. They can only maintain power by violence and coercion, and none of these four great enemies has a reasonable capacity to come close to the global influence that America exerts. In fact, their ambitions are primarily to broaden their own regional areas of control and exert hegemony over their near neighbors. They have neither the resources nor the credibility to replace America as the world's dominant culture, economy, and military. The U.S. has allies surrounding and hemming in all of those of our enemies, allies that are stronger economically and culturally, if not militarily. Speaking of military force, there are some indications that the U.S. military has been weakened, but our technology and innovations continue to be the best in the world, and it is possible but we have weapons and capabilities that have never been publicly revealed or tested. In a short conflict with one of our enemies, it could be that the U.S. would suffer a setback, as happened on December 7, 1941, and on September 11, 2001, when our alert and our readiness had declined. This is especially likely if the leadership in Washington remains weak and indecisive, but the overall strength of our forces should prevail in a long struggle. The reactions of people around the world to the past two U.S. presidents have been an interesting mirror image. Our allies largely disliked Trump, partly because of his personal style, partly because he was an outsider who shook up the Washington establishment they were used to dealing with, and partly because he was more conservative in his political philosophy. Meanwhile, our enemies feared Trump, sensing that he was unpredictable and potentially strong in opposition to them. With Biden, the exact opposite reaction is seen. Our friends seem to like him, but do not consider him a significant factor. Our enemies apparently do not respect him or fear him and are emboldened to push their agendas with more impunity. Leadership makes a big difference in human events. I will now hesitantly offer my own predictions about what may be ahead for America in the short term. I expect that we will have a setback in our global interests somewhere in the world in the next few years. I'll call it a black eye. This will be beyond the self-inflicted debacle of the unilateral withdrawal from Afghanistan in 2021. One of our enemies will take a risk, and we won't be able to immediately block it, comparable to Japan wiping out our battleships at Pearl Harbor. This black eye will trigger, in my prediction, a pendulum swing towards an opposite style of leader just as the 2020 presidential election was a pendulum swing. This black-eye setback will lead to changes that will have a long-term positive impact on our military and our economy. It is likely that reshoring, the trend that means returning production to our shores or to more reliable allied nations will continue and that was begun during the Trump administration's confrontation with China and during the COVID-19 pandemic and the supply chain disruptions of recent months. Just as the pendulum of international leadership style may swing, so the internal policies of Washington and local cities and states may also swing. But we'll talk more about that in part two of this podcast. Much depends on on the personalities and gifts of the individuals that are chosen to be our nation's leaders, and no one can yet foresee who those emerging leaders will be. The anti-American American left is blind to what the rest of the world can see, namely that America is still unique in its enduring political heritage of constitutional freedoms. Why do Russia, China, Iran and North Korea not have the immigration problem we are dealing with? Because no one in their right minds is clamoring to move to those countries. America will still be, for the foreseeable future, the land of the free and the place of opportunity. So, the question, is America doomed? I reply, not inevitably. As Yogi Berra reminded us, in aid over till it's over, more bad things could indeed come to our nation in our lifetimes, and what those might be is unpredictable. Good things may also happen. Only God knows. In the meantime, we as Americans, and speaking for myself and perhaps for you as well, as Christian Americans, watch and we pray and we trust in God's ultimate purposes. I will resume our reflections on what the future might bring in part two of this podcast. I hope you'll return. Thank you for joining us for this Life Academy episode. We encourage you to subscribe. And if you enjoy our podcast, please share it with your friends and family.